It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, it's Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Um, well, I was all right, Bryce, but I'm pretty tired now, to be honest, because we've had a Monday night game, and not only can I not be doing with Monday night games, I can't be doing with them when they're delayed by 15 minutes for a ridiculous refereeing decision. So um, I'm probably not in the best of moods. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm not too bad, actually. It was, a, it was a nice weekend. Sunshine finally arrived in the UK, which was made, uh, made everyone a, a little bit more more pleasant and upbeat but yes i think we can all agree that we're not a massive fan of these monday night games are we for for a few reasons but joining chris and i uh this week as always but in germany yes rather than across the water is manu vets manu how was your travels uh, it's good i i'm a little tired monday night games aren't great especially if you you know arrived at seven o'clock from a transnational flight and you haven't slept at all <laughs> so i'm a little jet lagged i'm excited to finally get sleep i think it's been over 30 hours so uh yeah <laughs> if i don't make any sense that's the lack of sleep talking um but yeah i'm pretty excited to be back home in, in germany good to hear so yes this could be a rather interesting pod <laughs> with people being uh tired and uh jet lagged so let's see how it goes um i'm sure we'll be fine but guys the big topic in germany this week is not on the field but off the field and we've we've talked for quite some time now about um the different coaches that are going to go to clubs like borussia Dortmund and bayern munich bayern munich have finally found their man and yes it's nico kovac who has um, had a fantastic season with Eintracht Frankfurt. It seems like they have opened up the release clause with 2.2 million euros. And yes, it, it, it seems like they've, they've got their man, a former player of theirs, um, born and bred um, in Berlin, even though he's a Croatian. Um, Chris, what's your opinion on Niko Kovac, um, the, the new Bayern boss? I think it's a very good signing for him. I know there's a lot of people who are a little bit sceptical, but we have to see what he did uh, with Frankfurt. Um, obviously, you know they were they were a club down in the doldrums. I mean, he's taken over. He's taken them to, I think, a better level. Um, I think they were unlucky last season. They had a very good start, but then they had a bit of a poor second half of the season. But crucially, as I think I said last week or maybe the week before, he's learned from those problems. And this season, you know, Eintracht Frankfurt currently end of match day 30. They're in seventh place. So they're looking at a UEFA. Um, well, that's how tied I am. I mean, they said UEFA Cup looking at a Europa League 
um, slot for next season with uh, the Pokal Europa League position will be handed back to the league. So currently that's Eintracht Frankfurt. I mean, they may be a little bit disappointed. They won't get into Champions League, but I think Nico Kovac understands the club, um, understands the area, obviously fluent speaker in German um, for obvious reasons, as you just said. Uh, so, yeah, it's I think it's a really good signing. Probably not the best time to announce it, though, but I'm sure Manu um, will, will chip in. Probably Bayern's hand will force because um, it was leaked to Christian Falk of Sport Build, who's had some really good exclusives lately, uh, namely Nico Kovac um, and Leon Goretzka. Uh, so yeah, it's probably not an ideal situation, um, but we have to you know, we have to wonder where this came from because Kovac said in his press conference um, it didn't come from him. Oh, <laughs> did you know? Um, and it, it must be come from somewhere though. So I assume. I assume someone at Bayern thought the time was right. Um, you know, I think I think what happened, Chris, is that a lot of people in Munich got a little got a little nervous because players were asking questions on who's going to be the new coach, and I think players want to know, right, when they go into the new season, who's going to be the new coach. So I think what happened there is that the club, I'm pretty sure this came from Bayern, and that they just basically leaked it and said, "Look, this is what we've done." Um, we, we offered a contract to Kovac. We triggered the release clause of 2.2 million euros. Um, both Bayern and Kovac are claiming <laughs> that, of course, they, the, the, the way this was done was all correct. Um, because <laughs> basically, um, the release clause was there and it was done all quickly, um, to, according to their version. But then, of course, the Süddeutsche Zeitung, which is the newspaper based here in Munich, released an article saying that uh, Bayern told Kovac last year to put in a release clause in his contract for Bayern exclusively. Um, and that's, of course, raised some eyebrows. And then on top of that, there was apparently a meeting at the gas station. Um, for those who are not familiar to German football, meetings at gas stations are a big thing. Chris, you love gas stations for the schnitzel, right? Um, apparently players and coaches and agents do as well. So they love to meet So, um, apparently you're not the only one who's fans uh, of that player agents seems to like that too. So yeah, there was apparently a meeting a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Kovac of course said at the press conference that, um, he spoke of a dynamic that uh, he woke up in the morning, he had no clear what he, what he was going to do, and then there was an offer made by Munich, by Munich, and he accepted that offer, and he called it. There was a dynamic that got into the day that uh, he did not expect that day, but um, I suspect it, the decision has been, yeah, uh, it has been um, talked about among the agent, Kovac's agent, Kovac and Bayern and Hoeneß and Rummenigge for quite some time, and they just let the cat out of the bag now because it's mid-April, and Bayern need to need to have a coach, right? So um, that, of course, doesn't leave it a happy situation for Frankfurt. Um, but yeah, that's just how it is, um, I guess, in football. Things can go really quick and people don't always tell the truth. Yeah, Mario, is, is it a bit of a um, reoccurring um, incident that uh, sports build release these kind of things? Um, it, it, it seems like uh, it happens all too often. Yeah, Bayern are a build club. You know, there's they, they, build that don't have very good sources for all the clubs in Germany. 
Um, most of the time, Kicker is the magazine that is better informed, and then of course the new the local papers um, in, in the various regions all over Germany. Um, Bild is often placed the second fiddle to those regional papers, but Bayern are Bild club. Um, they are the they you know this goes back to the times of Franz Beckenbauer who was a Bild column columnist. Same with uh, Lothar Matthäus, of course, and um, Bild has always had an ear inside the dressing room at Bayern and inside the boardroom and yeah that's that's just how it is you know so that, that that's why Bill gets those those quick informations and sometimes you know Bill gets information that make Bayern angry because they shouldn't have it but sometimes uh, Bayern also used that connection to um, force hands force the hands of um, to, to make decisions happen I mean we talked in great length about the Leon Goretzka transfer and the, the fact that you know, the other clubs who were starting to be interested in Leon Goretzka and then, whoops, Bayern just released the fact that they had a verbal agreement with him, right? And basically sealed the deal on, on the transfer. Um, so yeah, they are, they are very much a built club, um, Bryce. And therefore you get information like that leaked, um, through sport, through sport build or build München or the various build outlets all over Germany. And Chris, um, it, it turns out that, uh, well, there's a bit of a feud going on or um, a word spoken between uh, the set of boards or directors. Um, Freddie Bobic um, was not amused uh, by Byron uh, taking uh, their their head coach, um, I, as you can uh, imagine. But um, Honus uh, quickly replied and said, well, Frankfurt, you know, now have plenty of time to find their new coach you know, ahead of the, the start of next season. But what's your take on all of this? Probably six and two threes is probably the easiest way to do it. Um, I, If I was a member of the Eintracht Frankfurt board, I would be pretty peeved um, that my manager would be poached now when, when the club's in the midst of a Champions League fight. I think that's probably pretty poor. But as Manu's already said, um, Bayern are under pressure to let their players know who the manager is. Um, so anyone that doesn't want to be there can move on or um, you know, give some stability to those who want to stay and know what they can expect because we've got a World Cup coming up. So if any of those players you know, play outside of their ability, all of a sudden they'll have teams from Spain and, um, and England sniffing around them. And, you know, albeit they're at Bayern Munich, I'm sure if they are offered quite a bit of cash, some of the older guys, they may take it. So it's, it's probably worth buying getting their line in the sand now that it's Niko Kovac, but I can see why Frankfurt weren't happy at all, especially as they then went out and, well, they were hammered 4-1 to Leverkusen. Now, I don't think you can say that is um, direct response to uh, Niko Kovac being named as Bayern Munich manager, but it doesn't help, does it? And it now pushes them outside the European places um, for the Bundesliga. Um, so I think it could have damaged Frankfurt maybe in the short term i would hope for their sake that they managed to get into uh, europa league places because their footballs deserved it this this season so yeah i can understand it from both sides but if you're eintracht frankfurt manager and even a supporter you'd be pretty um well nearly said something you shouldn't then but you wouldn't be very happy about it put it that way yeah it created a bit of a circus though right chris did you see the pictures before the before the eintracht frankfurt leverkusen uh, match and there was hundreds is of course a bit of an exaggeration but it looked like that hundreds of photographers around Niko Kovac taking a picture um you know that is a that is an incredible distraction ahead of a game and all of a sudden the entire dressing room is talking about well our manager is leaving 
to Bayern. Yeah, and I think we saw that um, the back end of Peach Doga's time at Cologne, didn't we? There was mm. just constant um, photographers and also with Peter Bosch. So, uh, yeah, it is um, it is distracting and it must you know take the player's mind off the game. And um, I don't think it helped and probably contributed in a small way to their hammering at Leverkusen. Yeah, because this was maybe... I mean, again, it may be a little exaggeration, but this could have been the biggest game in the last 20 years because you win that game and, you know, all of a sudden they're the team um, possibly in a Champions League spot, right? Um, instead of Leverkusen. Uh, so it, it's, it, that was a big game for them. And now they're looking in from the outside and cup game this week. Um, as well, and then possibly a cup final against Bayern. Uh, I mean, all of this doesn't help at all. No, I mean, and they would have been fourth, so Leverkusen would have slipped down, Dortmund would have gone to third, and um, Eintracht Frankfurt would have gone fourth, so you would have expected them to be in a dominant position um, to maintain that fourth place, but it's still really, really close. I mean, Dortmund are on 51 and are playing um, dreadful football, which we'll get onto in, in a moment, but you would think that Frankfurt have probably got it within them to leapfrog um, Leipzig into fifth. And then if they can maintain that fifth on the next match day, we will have three days left after that one. So uh, match days 32, 33 and 34. Um, and you never know. I mean, do, do you think possibly because um, he obviously knows he's leaving, the fans know he's leaving, the players know he's leaving. Do, do you think it's going to be hard Manu, you know, for them all to get um, driven for this? Or do you think Kovac may even just think, you know what, would be great to go out with, with a cup win for them or even a cup final day for them? And, you know, maybe, maybe he sees that as his priority as, you know, he's got eyes on Bayern. Oh, wouldn't that be something, a cup final Bayern against Frankfurt? Um, you know, the... The, the cup finals are full of stories like that. Uh, you go back in the 70s where Gunter Netzer famously um, substituted himself onto the field because it was his last game for Gladbach and he was uh, moving on to Real Madrid. Then you, of course, have the story with Lothar Matthäus who missed a penalty in the cup final against Bayern and then uh, the next season played at Bayern, right? And people um, to this day say he missed that penalty on purpose, even though I, I don't think that was actually the case. And then in more recent history, you have um, Jurgen Klopp's last match, uh, Dortmund, of course, a final against Wolfsburg that was lost. And then Mats Hummels, the cup final against Bayern in a match that where, where he was taken off with, I believe, 15 minutes to go by Thomas Tuchel, which was uh, up to this day is still a controversial issue as well. So, you know, um, the, the cup final is full of stories like that and um, it, it'd be a fascinating cup final if the final is Bayern against Frankfurt. There is a possibility. I mean, the two cup games, the semifinals, uh, the previous are up on Fußballstadt.com. In case you're wondering, um, they, are, they are this week and Bayern are playing Leverkusen and Frankfurt are playing Schalke and um, I think it's there, there's a good chance we'll see exactly that final and ima imagine the storyline, right? The The final between Bayern and Kovac, because that's what it's going to be about, all about. It's going to be a media circus and it's going to be all about that question. How, how Kovac is going, is Kovac, you know, prohibiting his new club to win the treble, historic second treble? Um, all these questions, a lot of questions, which of course are going to be silly because they always are. I think when you coach, 
and you play for a certain club until the very end, you always give it everything, right? I mean, this is something maybe you have to have played the game to understand this. But when you want to, when you're on the field, you want to win. But these questions are there anyways, right? And they are, they're always, they're such a fabric of the game that we, that we almost turn it into a little bit of a soap opera. Yeah, it just adds to the drama, I suppose, doesn't it? Uh, uh, even though it is very true, it does turn a little soap opera-esque. But uh, Chris, uh, if we just go to you, to just talk a little bit uh, more about what uh, Byron can expect uh, from Kovac on the fields. Um, I mean, this season in the Bundesliga, we have seen uh, Eintracht be a rather compact unit, but he is a big fan uh, of wingers, in, in, especially in Iron Robin and uh, Frank Ribery, which we've um, heard before when he said, I'm a big fan of wide players. Uh, when I watch players like Robin and Ribery play, my heart goes a little bit faster. So does this mean that they're going to feature uh, for Bayern uh, under him in the next year or two? And so what type of tactics do you see them possibly using under him? Well, I can't see them playing too big a role, um, probably on a similar scale to this season, maybe a little less because obviously they're aging and Bayern will want to blood new players through. But what um, what, what Bayern can expect um, from Kovac is that he will play the right way. Now, I doubt he would take uh, the way that he, he's made this Eintracht Frankfurt team play and adapt that to Bayern Munich. He will more than likely go in and play the Bayern Munich way, which um, is one of a few ways. But at Frankfurt, he's predominantly played, as you said, is quite a flat 3-5-2, and that's occasionally... Um, gone to a four at the back and uh, very recently the last run of games in, in which they picked up a couple of wins and a couple of defeats and, and the odd draw he's um, gone for a three one four two, which um, is a little dissimilar to what we've seen at Bayern especially um, since uh, Heinke took over uh, you know they like to play with four at the back and generally well for the majority of the season they've played four three three so um I don't think you can look at what he's done at Frankfurt and say, yeah, that's going to be the blueprint because anyone that goes to Bayern Munich, you know, there's clubs all around the world. There's a few of them. Bayern Munich's one of them. Real Madrid's another. You know, you play, uh, you play the way that the club expects you to play. So you don't come in and revolutionise that. Otherwise, you end up out the door quite quickly, like uh, Louis van Gaal. Uh, so I wouldn't expect anything um, rudimentary or something that's going to blow your mind away, Bryce. But what I would expect is that if it's not working well, he can fix it up very quickly because he's very tactically astute. So, um, for instance, if they aren't playing with wingers and it needs it very quickly, he will make that adaptation. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that it's going to be a new dawn for Bayern. I would say that they would they play the type of football that we're used to, but it will just be in steady hands. Yes, most certainly. And Manu, just before we come off the subject of uh, Nico Kovac, um, can, can we possibly think of any uh, cons for this um, transfer from uh, Eintracht to uh, Bayern? I mean, uh, are, there, are there any flaws do you see in it? I mean, he, he's obviously got Bundesliga experience. He's played for Bayern before. Um, he, he, he's grew up in Germany. I mean, what do you see as possible cons, if any? 
Want to be sure you always look your best? The Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup Mirror from Conair makes it easy with all the features you need to groom and apply makeup with precision. Lifetime LED lighting won't ever dim or diminish. No replacement bulbs needed. One-time magnification provides a full view or 10 times magnification for close-up tweezing and details. Designed with a beautiful rose gold finish, the mirror rotates at 360 degrees with a 7.5-inch viewing surface to attend to every feature. Makes a great gift. Go to Conair.com for the Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup mirror now it wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy right celebrate the holiday season with the holiday crush they've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun packed challenges every week for five whole weeks finishing on january 4th the more challenges you complete the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards so are you ready to crush the holidays play the holiday crush now download it from the app store google play or windows store for free terms and conditions apply um then it's the trickiest thing for me is this is going to be his second Bundesliga job. Um, we're talking about a coach who's coached two and a half, two two seasons and a few matches in the Bundesliga, and that's not a lot to, for taking on the Bayern job. I think that's maybe a con is the inexperience, and I think um, it makes sense that Hermann, the assistant coach, who works really well with Heinkes staying on um to to basically help him a little bit in that regard so i think i think what bayern have done here bryce is that they don't want to have a second jürgen klopp scenario um I, i've learned that jürgen klopp that they very very much tried to sign jürgen klopp um for next summer and um basically it wasn't possible um jürgen klopp wasn't available in liverpool would have not let him go uh, by any means so um, that was actually their number one option and um, they didn't do that uh, they, they weren't it wasn't possible for them so they quickly moved on to who they believe could possibly one day to turn out to be the next Jürgen Klopp and I mean the story is famous that Oli Hoeneß back in the day wanted Jürgen Klopp and Rummenigge went for Klinsmann and well the rest is history I think they really wanted to avoid that this could happen a second time. So they went for, for the inexperienced, um, more, a little bit more inexperienced coach, um, rather than going with more, more inexperienced option. And that is maybe the only con. Um, but I think overall, I'm, I'm very much agree with Chris. Um, there's, there's the question, of course, a lot of people compare Bayern's style of play to that of Barcelona. I assure you it's much more flexible than that. Bayern have incorporated styles of Barcelona, but they also play a little bit of Borussia Dortmund, right? That typical gegenpressing style that you see in German football. And um, I think that Kovac can bring that to the club and he can bring a lot of his own elements similar to, you know, how Diego Simeone plays at Atletico Madrid. And um, that's a side, of course, that wins games the hardy way at times even though they're the underdog and you know Bayern is a massive club I, I think that Bayern are one of the three biggest clubs on this planet but at the same time they are also not a club that will they will not go out and spend 200 million on a new player they just won't do that so they need to do it a bit different they need to do it more similar to Atletico rather than Real Madrid even though they have the same power in terms of attraction so I think this makes a lot of sense, and I think this is this is going to be a fascinating one to watch. I, I I'm very this is this is the kind of thing where I'm looking forward to the new season, and uh, I'm just intrigued, uh, and I'm not quite sure yet how it's going to all work out. 
Yes, indeed. Well, we did talk that you know there was a lot of uh, happenings to to go on off the pitch in, in the Bundesliga and in the preseason, uh, including two of the biggest sides, which obviously Bayern have got their man. It'd be interesting to see who comes in and out of the club, obviously. But to talk about uh, their closest rivals in Borussia Dortmund, uh, another club that um, their coach has been, um, well, the coaching spot has been a long suspected to not be the man in the position at the moment. And that's Peter Stoker. And I, I feel that we're going, there's going to be a few little rants and harsh wood, words to come up in this part. So um, if you're a Stoker fan, probably turn off. But we're going to talk about the, the Riviera Derby. Uh, we've seen that happen on Sunday. That was Schalke at home to Borussia Dortmund. Schalke sitting in second, Dortmund sitting in third. We were talking it up about how close this game was going to be. Schalke came out 2-0 winners. Dominic Tedesco will be delighted, especially with that uh, Naldo Thunderbolt um, in 82 minutes to seal the deal. Um, we're we're going to have to go to Chris, I, I think, on this one. Uh, Chris, as we always say, Dortmund, aside close to your heart, what, what was your take on the game? Um is there any even positives that you can possibly say on the Borussia Dortmund side? Well, they didn't get beat 3-0. That's probably one positive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Bryce, there was, if you're a Dortmund fan, there was very few positives to take from this game. However, if you're a Schalke fan, um, you know there was a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was still quite a lot of Schalke fans in Gelkakushan drunk still today on Monday evening as we record this. Because not only... And did they beat the neighbours? I did the match report for footballstat.com, which is on there. I said that they powered past them. Um, and uh, my opening quote was, it was an afternoon that cemented a shift in the balance of power in the raw region. And I quite I quite believe that. Um, it is going to be a season where Schalke finish above Borussia Dortmund. I cannot see them making up that four-point gap now in the um, points that are left, especially Schalke will be riding high, you know, give or take a, um, a Pokal exit this coming week tomorrow. Uh, I think they will be absolutely fine. Um, so it's back to what is going to be the problem for Dortmund. And the problem for Dortmund is that they're playing horrendous football at the minute. Some of, some of the passenger plays, I mean... I remember before Bosch left, we said about Dortmund that they didn't have a style. Um, they didn't look like they knew what they were doing. They looked like a team who were lost. Um, and, and I saw that on um, on the weekend, on Sunday. Uh, it was a horrendous game to watch if you're a Borussia Dortmund fan. If you're a neutral, it will have been a fantastic game to watch because it was you know, end-to-end football at times. Um, but the majority of it, it was um, blue-to-yellow football. So... Um, on the whole, Schalke very, very deserved of um, of their win. They just harassed and pressed and harangued Dortmund into mistakes. Uh, the first goal is a, is a mistake. Um, you know, the second, you can argue, uh, you shouldn't be giving fouls away in that area, but don't take anything away from Naldo because it's, it's a wonderful strike. But um, Conor Pianka was was a pain in Dortmund's side um, from the first minute to the last minute, and he was deservedly my man of the match. And I think to talk about this game in the, what have Dortmund done wrong would probably be disrespectful to Schalke because Schalke have had an excellent season and they just steamrolled it past them. So for me, Bryce, this game was all about how well Schalke have done this season and, and for me, how they've shifted that balance of power. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel that we need to uh, talk about both sides. Um, let, let's talk about Dortmund then. Let's let's get that out of the way. And as as you said, Chris, you, I, I watched the game and 
they were terrible. They were absolutely terrible. There, there was no passion. There was. It seemed like there was no idea on the pitch. And I, I just think you know, there, there's different rumours coming out, isn't there, that Peter Stoker could possibly stay next year. But I, I think personally, this is me going off on a little bit of a rant, that if you're a Dortmund fan, you're either going through the motions at the moment, going, he's going to be gone at the end of the season and keeping your fingers crossed, or I would be absolutely disgusted. I, I think he sat on that bench, and when he conceded both goals, he looked like he just didn't care. Chris, you've I, mentioned that you, you think yeah, he has I no ideas. I don't, I, think he, I don't think he didn't care. That would probably be... Um, that will probably be um, a step too far if if he was if he was there if he was on this call now, Bryce, he'd probably be like, I do care. I personally think he's run out of ideas. He cannot get Dortmund firing um, the way he wants to. He's got the body language that he had um, in his final weeks in Cologne, where he couldn't get them doing what they wanted to do. And you see it so often with managers on the bench when they run out of ideas, they go completely quiet and and unemotional. And that's pretty much what I saw, um, especially the last 15, 20 minutes of that game. If you compare it to someone, um, and if you can only compare it to who was at Dortmund last year, Thomas Tuchel, when things weren't going well, he was at the edge of that technical area going mad. Um, you know, you could see him gesticulating to the players. You need to get tighter. You need to pull out. The ball needs to go here. And um, Peter Stoker, unfortunately, hasn't got that. Now, either that's not in his nature, or, or I believe he genuinely doesn't have a clue as in he doesn't know how to make it better obviously he has a clue about management he wouldn't be managing um, in the Bundesliga if he didn't so I'm not saying he hasn't got a clue in inverted commas as in he's clueless what I'm saying is he's run out of ideas for this Dortmund side uh, I don't think he's been helped by um, players but then he's not I don't think he's been able to motivate the players if you look at who he started in midfield he started Dahoud and Sahin I don't think those two work together um, very well. Um, when Dahoud came off, it wasn't for Julian Weigel, which would have been better in that area. Uh, Mitzi Bachwai was isolated um, up top, so they played 4-2-3-1. He was completely isolated. Uh, I think Pulisic started to play around about 82 minutes, which is no good. Um, Maximilian Philip, who I'm a massive fan of, didn't have a particularly good game, came off at half-time. Um, and um, Schmelzer... Well, yeah, he had a stinker, so you know, and he's the captain, so it's hard, and um, and yeah, none of the backline came out with any sort of, um, I can say any sort of pleasure, any sort of any any sort of um, thing that will bring them any sort of solitude because they just played that bad. I thought the the midfield um, five um, were horrendous. Um, and they were far too deep, which left um, Batshuayi up top isolated. And, you know, Dortmund's game went bad to worse because he was taken off with, I suspect, is a broken ankle or some sort of fracture on the bone of his ankle. So his season's pretty much over and he probably won't be playing in the World Cup. So, you know, that's that's the end of a very bad day for Dortmund because Batshuayi came in to replace Aubameyang's goals and he started to do that. Um, so it's all going to be on the shoulders of either Royce, Goetze um, or Philip, which is, a, which is a big ask, unless they bring in Isaac. But again, he's a very young guy. Um, he may thrive under their pressure. He may not. Yeah, Manu, if, if we go to you, I mean, do you see uh, Stoker possibly being there next uh, season? And uh, what's your opinion? Do you think Favre is going to be the, the best man to, to come into this role? It feels like we've been talking about this uh, several weeks in a row now, but it's just going to keep going until, you know, Dortmund, I suppose, release what they've decided to do next season. Yeah, I don't think they actually know what they're going to do yet, Bryce. And um, that's the only reason why 
Stöger is still considered a possibility for next year. Now, I, I think, I think the issue is if you do go with Stöger, you will have to basically tear down that entire side, right? And, um, build them up in his liking because, you know, Chris is quite right. He's out of ideas because I think this, the side doesn't, um, doesn't fit his football philosophy one bit. And as a result, you cannot keep working with this manager, right? Because if you, if you wanted to keep working with this manager, you would have to tear down the side. Now they will have to make some substantial changes anyways. Um, but you know, we talk maybe four or five new players for, for key areas, like a goalkeeper, maybe a defender, um, a midfielder and, uh, a, a striker, right? Um, maybe that's, going to be Michi Bachwai, maybe it's going to be someone else. Um, I think there's a lot of names floating around right now of players that could possibly come in um, to, to kind of change the side and to give it a little bit of a different face. Um, one name that's for example, um, and I think this is maybe a player that they could very well need, um, someone who could bring a lot of leadership to the side is uh, Jonas Hector, who who seems who's strongly linked to Borussia Dortmund. This deal is uh, not done, um, but he's strongly linked to Borussia Dortmund. Uh, I heard that the they're basically just waiting for Köln to be relegated to make this to to announce this deal. So this would be a player, of course, who could bring in a lot of experience and would be very important for Dortmund. Um, to bring in that experience, maybe bring in a bit of character because this is something that I'm missing. But I think. Um, I think if they want to keep Stöger Bryce, they would, the, the rebuild job would be too big. And I think it'd be better to bring in a coach who fits this team tactically, right? That's, that's maybe the, the biggest, the, the, the biggest task right now. And I think Lucien Favre would be an excellent choice. I mean, when you look at the way Gladbach played, um, under him, except for that five game spell that they had in his last season where they were, you know, completely derailed for five games in a row. Lucien Favre did an, did excellent work um, with Gladbach, and he does excellent work in in France right now with Nice. And he's uh, a coach that plays, I think, the kind of football that fans in Dortmund expect. You know, the kind of football that both attra- attracted both me and Chris to this club to watch watch them primarily. And I think that is that's the expectations there, and that's um, the that's why I think he's the favorite, but I don't think he is necessarily, he's, he's not a hundred percent sure that he will be the guy. I think, and maybe the last thing on him, like Kovac, he has an exit clause for the summer. Um, and that will, of course, make it easier for Dortmund to, to complete the signing if they wish to do so. I suppose that, that puts the question uh, to both of you fellas. We'll start with Chris though. Um, do you see Dortmund's uh, getting into one of the Champions League spots? Uh, for next season, you know they've they've got a tough run in as we mentioned the other week. I mean they're going to be taking on uh, Bayern Leverkusen next, who they're joint on points with. But then they've got Werder Bremen, who's been very strong, uh, you know, in recent times. Uh, Mainz, who have got a lot to to play for, and then finishing off with Hoffenheim, who, you know, at home, you know, which is going to be a, a very tough game as well. I might hang my hat on this, Bryce, and say that if they get turned over on the weekend this coming weekend, and the results go against them, um, as in the other clubs leapfrog them um, or get close to them, 
I think they could have a problem. Um, if they lose this weekend, they would stay on 41. Leipzig, if they were to win, um, they go to 50. Uh, and Hoffenheim would go to 49. So <clears throat> I think this is a really big game for them because if they if they lose this, that's two on the bounce. And then they start to worry then. And I think if you get that worry, then you can lose the next game. And, and you could be looking at a four or five game um, losing streak. So it is absolutely key for Borussia Dortmund that they win this weekend and they win convincingly. So um, I think it's a big ask for them. Uh, and I think they've got one of the hardest runs to come. So if they do it, and they will be worthy of their Champions League place next year because they've had a poor season and they've recovered it in a run-in. Um, but my only fear is that the way they've been playing this season um, without some sort of substantial um, injection of talent um, over the summer is they will be in the same situation as they were this season, is that they will just fall out of the group stage. Manu, how do you feel? Do, do you think Dortmund will get over the line and get into the Champions League for next season? Yeah, this is actually a question I put to to Twitter and um only forty six percent said yes they will do it. Um I'm I say yes they will do it. They will finish um they will finish in the top four. And uh they will lay the foundation on the weekend and win that game because they have been very good at losing a key game and coming back from that. I th- I reckon they'll need you know, from the run in four games left. Um, they'll they need seven points, uh, to get the job done. I think uh, no club has ever failed to reach the Champions League with sixty points, so that would be nine points. Um, yeah, that I I, I guess they could do that as well. So I, I think yes, they will do it. Um, but Chris is a hundred percent right. Without the injection of talent, they are going to be very much in the same situation next year again. And um, I mean that would be a shame because they are a big club. And they have laid themselves a very strong foundation over the last few years with, you know, with Klopp and Tuchel, and they need to get back to that because um, this is a side that we expect to challenge Bayern for the title, not to like, not to sit around in uh, fourth and third spot, um, trying to survive um, and stay in the Champions League spot. Yes, indeed, it's going to be an interesting run in for uh, Borussia Dortmund, and then uh, the goings on in the summer will also be equally as interesting. I've, I feel, but. Um, uh, as Chris mentioned, uh, we do have to talk about Schalke. You know, they they were outstanding in the Riviera Derby. Um, I th- I think we could all agree to that. Naldo, especially, um, you know, w- with that goal, kind of just topped it off, will we say? But um, Dominic Tedesco has done a fantastic job, and it it looks like um, it looks like they'll end up in the in the Champions League, doesn't it, Manu? Um, I mean, credit to Tedesco. We we did mention. Um, earlier in the season that the side does have quite a bit of talent in it but he, he's done a fantastic job and almost out of nowhere yeah and uh, I still think that you know Schalke will need to add a few things in the summer because I think the side is is overperforming a bit um, I'm not 100% sold yet on the Tedesco bus in, in, in Germany the he, yes, he's getting the results, and he he's I mean this in in very difficult conditions. But it's the kind of thing that um, if they don't get the players that they need to need to strengthen certain parts of the side, 
in order to keep this going for next year, right? Because I suspect that the likes of Leverkusen and Dortmund will have better years next year. I, I reckon Leipzig will make substantial investments into their side as well. And um, that will create um, a very different dynamic in this league. Um, you know, I, I reckon that a bunch of the clubs will see if, if Bayern stumble under the new coach. And um, if Schalke, Schalke will, will have to show intent in the summer and make some significant signings um, in order to be part of that part of that pack of teams that could um, possibly um, challenge Bayern should they have a, a weakness should Kovac should it show should it prove that Kovac is maybe not the right man And Chris, uh, I suppose, you know, it, it's due for all of us to sing Tedesco's praises and just say what, what a fantastic job he's he's done. But w would you agree with Manu that they're going to need uh, quite a few additions, uh, you know, on, on their starting 11 that they currently have to maybe even maintain this kind of thing, especially when the sides run them are, are going to be looking to, to compete uh, and maybe even go further next year? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in agreement with Manu that they will need to, um, bolster that side because um, obviously Gretzka is going to be going. Um, Maya will be going, <clears throat> although he didn't play on the weekend. But they'll need some sort of injection in that midfield area. Um, and um, although Konoplyanka played exceptionally well, that has been few and far between at times this season. So either he needs to make sure he gets to that level every single week or they need to bring in somebody else. Um, and then they've got the likes of Weston McKenney, who's very, very good. Uh, and he's a potential future star, but he's still not um, exciting me as much as maybe he should do. Um, and then if you look at what they've got um, in reserve, it's probably not going to push them on four fronts because they will be playing Champions League football as well. So that adds another dynamic, as we've seen Leipzig failed um, spectacularly at times to, to cope with that. Um, hence why they're a lot further down the league than they were this season. So it is going to be uh, crucial that they recruit and retain in the right areas. But as regard uh, Domenico Tedesco, I will not put any um, any of my recommendations on him because I said he'd be sacked by match day five. And here he is, um, probably going to finish the season in second. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, that seems like so long ago, doesn't it? But um, guys, let's uh, before we go away from the possibility of uh, uh, or, or talking about the possibility of uh, a Champions League spot, let's talk about um, if if Borussia Dortmund um, are challenging. Well, so are Bayer Leverkusen, so are RB Leipzig. You know, you you could even maybe go as well, as far as maybe Hoffenheim or Eintracht. Even though it'd be a bit of a long shot, but. Uh, Chris, um, who do you think after this match day um, with Bayern and Schalke looking kneeled on, who do you think is going to join them in the next two spots? Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> well, I would like to say um, it would be Dortmund and Leverkusen because I think they should give the um, strongest challenge in Europe next season. However, I wouldn't put it past Leipzig to sneak back in there. Um, I think it might be just beyond Hoffenheim um, at the moment. Um, but you don't know if the results go their way. They could also get back in. That's how tight it is. But I would say with my hat, I hang my hat on something. It'd be Bayern, Schalke, uh, Leverkusen, Dortmund, potentially Leipzig sneaking in on the very last day. But I, I, I'm not 100% sure, Bryce, is the, is the full answer. 
<laughs> I'm I'm looking furiously uh, through all the fixtures that uh, the sides have, and it is going to be very tight. Uh, Manu, who, who would you say is probably going to join uh, Schalke and Bayern Munich? Yeah, I think it's going to be Leverkusen and Dortmund. Uh, I say that because those two sides might actually make a big step towards that um, on on the on the weekend. Um, or one of them could potentially because you you see Leverkusen, Leipzig, and Hoffenheim are playing each other um, on Saturday, right? Possibly one of our matches of the weekend. And then you have Dortmund play Leverkusen. That's the very same day. And if those two games end in a draw, um, the, the gap remains at four points and you have, but you have one match less. Um, now if, if Leipzig and Hoffenheim play a draw and one of the teams on top of them win, that side will be through. Um, I'm nailed down the spot. I, I am pretty sure that, you know, Leipzig, the, the problem with Leipzig for me this year has been, and I mean, we saw this in, and the Europa League this this week, where they are very good one game and then very they just fall completely fall apart in the next game. And this is this is something that I think is um is going to in the run and is maybe going to trouble them. That they just don't have the consistency. Um, at this point, they have to they have to collect four more points out of four games than Borussia Dortmund to get past them. And they have uh the worst goal differential, so it's actually five points, and that's that's quite a lot. Uh, in just four games. So I'm not sure I see that happening. Um, I think that the, the top four is very much cemented the way it is. Yeah, my opinion, after looking at the fixtures, I would probably agree with that, Manu. I, I think that four points at the moment between Dortmund and Leipzig might just be a big enough cushion for Dortmund to even fall but still get get through. Guys, uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about this uh, Monday night game which we've just seen happen. It was um, well, a bit of a battle for that final relegation spot. As, as we've seen, Cologne uh, seemed to be all but down. Um, Hamburg down as well. But it leaves that playoff position in 16th. This uh, Monday we've seen Mainz win 2-0 at home to Freiburg, not without controversy, but it does see them, uh, well, it being as close as ever. In fact, Mainz have just overtaken Freiburg um, after this uh, occasion. Um, uh, Chris, um, let's talk a little bit about the controversy, and then I suppose we need to talk about who we think may actually go down, um, with, or go into the playoff, will we say, and then with the possibility of going down. What, what happened during this game? You said um, that there was a penalty, but players were brought back onto the pitch. What, what's oh, happened here? Yeah, it was um, what we needed. Oh, not we, not me. I didn't need it. What the DFL needed and the Bundesliga needed was to get through the rest of the season without any VAR um, controversies. And uh, unfortunately, they didn't get that on a Monday night, which isn't a popular night for football anyway. They got probably the strangest um, VAR decision of the season. I'm going to say um, it's probably... This probably beats, uh, I think, was it the one in either the MLS or it might be one in the South American leagues where they went to VAR and because someone had a, a flag, they weren't in front of the camera, they weren't able to use it. That's a problem. Um, but <laughs> tonight, uh, Mainz, um, the halftime whistle went and the players left the pitch. Uh, and just before the referee left off the pitch, he touched his, um, his finger to his ear um, and then had to run down the tunnel and blow the whistle. 
and get the players out. And he went and did a video review and he gave a penalty after the whistle. Now, obviously, you can only um, bring in VAR once the whistle has gone, but he, the whistle had gone for half time. And, you know, majority of the Freiburg players were down the tunnel and gone. Um, so we had about a six or seven minute wait. Um, the players came back on. The penalty was taken. Um, the Blazers scored. Um, and then the referee blew his whistle and they all went back in at half time. So uh, it was chaotic um, and it was um, it was freakish and it was uh, it was a farce for me. Um, mainly because if you look at the replay, the whole reason that VAR is brought in, um, VAR is brought in not to disrupt the flow of the game. It's brought in for clear and obvious mistakes only. I don't know if that is an intentional handball that you'll see it if anyone looks back it doesn't look a clear and obvious mistake to me it's one of those um handballs that some referees give and some referees don't it wasn't a clear handball for me um his hand didn't look in an unnatural position nor did it look in a natural position so it wasn't clear and evident mistake for me so therefore var shouldn't have been used and it certainly shouldn't have been used when the teams are halfway down the tunnel so it was a massive cock up for me bryce um and then once the play was restarted we had the old tissue um, toilet roll thrown on um, which is great to watch by the way and um, obviously delays the game even more um, and then right at the end of Lacey scored another after he was given the ball from um, a horrendous pass from the goalkeeper from the Freiburg keeper whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce because I always get it wrong so I'm not even going to bother uh, and it was a, a pass for the outside of the boot and he um, received it and shot into an open goal and hit the post but it just crept in so it was a very strange game Bryce if you if you missed it, or if anybody who's listening missed it, they only need to look at two things. That's the halftime incident with the VAR, um, and then they need to look at the last minute for the goal. Yeah, absolutely incredible, eh? What, what drama. VAR, it's, it's given us plenty to talk about, hasn't it, uh, in the last uh, year or so. But, um, Manu, if we look at that end of the table, um, might a leapfrog Freiburg, um, getting them into 15th, position and leaving Freiburg in that relegation playoff spot uh, which side do you see possibly finishing there I mean Wolfsburg are also joined on points all three sides have 30 unfortunately Freiburg's goal difference is uh, somewhat more abysmal oh that's you asking me who's going to finish in 16th and those those three teams are even on 30 points let's postpone that question to after match day 34 shall we (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that, you're just hoping that then i forget don't you um, um it's just i mean those three sides have been i think to be quite frank i think freiburg deserves it the least because of obviously the the way streich has been playing the way um that they always play positive football and it's a club that does a lot of things right and when they stay in the league they have done a lot of things right because of their small budget the club with the smallest budget in the league right so I think they did the side that deserves it the least and they decide that it's probably also the most adapted being down there. We, we've talked countless times about the fantastic work that Christa, Christian Steich has done there with this team. The, the fact that, um, you know, that they're able to, to cope with players leaving the Breisgau Brasiliana year in and year out and they are always able to, to stay competitive. And the other thing is to Bryce, um, I think of the three sides, they have the least amount of pressure because, um, as Chris said last week, they're, they're top 25 team in German football rather than a top 18 team, right? For them, going down is not the end of the world. Heck, they won't even, re- they won't even fire Streich. They will just continue as business as usual. 
And that's, I think, that is, a, that is actually something that will really help you in the relegation battle because uh, for Wolfsburg, I mean, that, that club is a disaster. Um, you know, they are the, fittingly, I mean, they are sponsored by Volkswagen or owned by Volkswagen. They are the diesel affair of German football. I mean, they are just an absolute disaster or at every end, everywhere you look. Um, the money that has been wasted on this site is just mind-boggling. I mean, this this is worthy of a Netflix documentary, in my opinion. That's how bad it is. So I think they maybe, because of that, deserve it the most. And Mainz hasn't been really that positive of a story this year either. For years, they were a positive club, but there's so much intrigue going on at the upper echelons of the, the club that, you know, they don't really deserve it either. So if you go by that, I would rather not have Freiburg in that position. Yeah, bit of a bit of a close one to call this, isn't it? I mean, each each side when you do look at the fixtures uh, remaining, do have some tricky games in there. Um, I I don't know what way it's going to end. Uh, Chris, any any thoughts as to who who might be in the playoff relegation game? Oh, I think um, I think it could be Wolfsburg again, um, and I say that mm. with with half a hope, um, and the half a hope is because the food they do in the media area is um, unbelievable. And Manu and I are both in Germany at that time, and we should both get accredited for that match. Um, and we will be eating some of the fantastic sandwiches and um, currywurst that you can get in the whole of Germany. And I also um, need to go to the Volkswagen Museum, Bryce. I've been to Wolfsburg twice, and I've got there too late for the Volkswagen Museum. So um, third time's a charm for me, so I'm hoping it's Wolfsburg. Wow. Well, that maybe wasn't the answer that. Uh, that See, that's you know, based on food and cars, I'm afraid, Bryce. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, it's so tight, isn't it? It could be anybody. Um, but as Manu said, I think Freiburg have got that. Um, they've got no pressure. If they go down, they go down. So what? So when you can play like that, that's quite good. Although they, they lost, obviously, a crucial game today. Mainz are hit and miss. Wolfsburg are hit and miss. So, I mean, we could see in the next three match days that. You know, those three clubs just top and tail each other, um, maybe even stay um, on the same points. You never know. But um, if, you want, if you're asking me who I'd like to see in there, purely for um, because I love a decent currywurst, it would be Wolfsburg. And that's what's way today. But um, then, guys, let's talk about who could possibly uh, be going up. Uh, we look at uh, Dusseldorf looking in a, a good position. They're in, uh, obviously, the top position in uh, Bundesliga 2, 53 points. We've got Nuremberg then sitting in the second position, uh, 51. And then we've got Holsten Kiel, 49. Uh, there's a bit of a, a drop after that. But, um, yeah, the, there's still plenty to play for here. And, and then I suppose the next question is, which I asked before, um, is there a possibility of third uh, beating uh, the Bundesliga sides and, and going up? Manu, if if we go to you, um, we, we mentioned previously that you know, Kiel, they've just been promoted to Bundesliga 2. This is going to be a massive ask for them to go play a Bundesliga side and go up. But what if they were to finish second? Would Nuremberg possibly stand a better chance? Uh, yeah, I think so, but I am not sure that's actually going to happen, Bryce, because I, I alluded to that already last week, but it looks like that Anfang, uh, the head coach, the kill head coach is going to take the Köln job. Um, so, I mean, that's, we're talking about coaches moving, um, from club A to B. That's, that's a big one and that could distract them till the end of the season. 
But yeah, I think Nuremberg would be better suited for that relegation playoff match. And let's say it is Freiburg, for example, then they, I think it would be a 50-50. Um, Wolfsburg, a bit more difficult, of course, but, you know, also perhaps doable for them. But, you know, I think that Düsseldorf and Nuremberg are going to finish first and second, to be quite honest. And I think it's going to be Holstein, Kiel in that, in that third spot. And that's going to be a very big ask for them to, to you know, as a freshly promoted side to play that relegation playoff and to possibly go up is, is going to be very difficult for them. Yes, it is. But with two points separating the sides, Chris, do you want to guess who's playing next Monday night? Well, no, not really, because I don't like Monday night football price. <laughs> well, Kiel are playing Nuremberg. So well, there, there we go. go then. There yeah. we go. So, I mean, there's a six pointer, if you want to call it that straight away. Um, I'm with the thought that if, if Kiel were to finish third, it would be too much of a, a big ask. Um, maybe just keep an eye on Ingolstadt before games left to play. Um, five points behind, six points behind. No, please not. <laughs> really? You, 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 you believe it, Chris? No, I just dropped that in because I knew what manager's responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, you never know, but mm, no. no, no, not for me. We, not I, for I don't me. want another not car park. Uh, no, not another car park in the Bundesliga. Only if, only if Wolfsburg go down. Oh, only if Wolfsburg go down, eh? Well, well, Chris will be gutted, won't he? But, um, guys, I think that more or less does it for this week. I think we've, we've managed to cover a lot. As always, we've talked plenty about coaches, but we've also talked about European spots and relegation spots. There's still a lot going on uh, this week, including the, the Pokal games as well. So, uh, it, it's, it's coming to the end of the season. Some positions have been decided but there's still plenty to play for. Chris, um, I know it's late on this Monday night, but what would you like to draw people's attention to just before we wrap things up? Obviously, um, have a look at Manu's Pokal and previews and then keep your eye on um, Football Stat for um, any post-match stuff. Um, I'm trying to get um, accreditation for the Champions League, both legs, so that'll be very good for Liverpool, I'm hasten to add, um, and we'll wait and see how that goes. Um, obviously, the run-up to European games next week, massive game for, for us as a network with um, Bayern Munich taking on Real Madrid, so keep your eyes on uh, lots of stuff for that, and that'll be on Football Grad Live. Yes, indeed. We'll be talking about that plenty as it comes up uh, next week, so we're, we're going to, uh, I would imagine, preview all of those games. Um, yeah, very exciting draw indeed, but Mario, what have you got going on this week? You're obviously back in Germany, uh, but um, what would you like to draw people's attention to? I'm flying to uh, Paris the day after, well, by the time this podcast comes out, the day, the next day, on uh, Wednesday, and then I'm giving a talk on the politics and football in in Russia at the Paris Nanterre University. Um, that will be on Thursday. And if you are in per- Paris, come go ahead and uh, visit it. It's, um, I'm going to talk about soft power, football, politics, the influence of the state. Um, there will be a bit about PSG as well, because they're very much um, in that kind of sphere of influence as well so if if that interests you yeah that will be at paris nanterre i have it i've tweeted it out as well you can find the schedule on on my twitter uh, account at manuel Weff. and yeah uh, there will probably be something coming at football on um, football grad live as well on footballgrad.com um you know something related to that topic um if that's interested you and then of course chris pointed out 
Um, it's the closing stages of the season. We have the cup, the semifinals. So that's, that's going to be covered this week as well. And then, of course, the Champions League and, um, get trying to get accreditation for the, the semifinals. Um, try to maybe t catch one of the away games, then not the, the next week, but the week after that. So yeah, lots of exciting things happening, um, all around. And of course, I I'm looking forward to some sleep, to be quite frank, Bryce. Yes, yes, uh, yes, indeed. We've got plenty going on across the football grad network. That is, um, whether you need sleep or whether you'd like to stay up reading a few more articles uh, and reports that we have um, because you can sleep for whatever reason, maybe jet lag, then definitely head over to at Football Grad Live on Twitter. There's loads of content, which is fantastic. Good work, guys. Um, that more or less does it for this week. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to the likes of iTunes or wherever else you get it from uh, and just give us some positive feedback. We really appreciate that. And as always, we welcome... Um, interaction you'll get in touch with us uh, on twitter or any of the other platforms if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss but um yeah i think chris is ready for bed i think manu's just about still holding his uh, words together and needs to get to bed especially ahead of another flight tomorrow and well i've got work as always in the morning so with that i think we're going to bid you farewell and say i'll be to zen Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.